raise a family, that they have some of the same opportunities that me and my wife. You agreed that they are, we need to see them as a terrorist organization. On a private cloud server, yes or no? To love country, to love God, and to try to do the right thing. Worked for the nation and the interests of the people. We're going we're gonna to have fun with that. Oh, you want to do it. a Jelly email fundraiser. We should, dude. Yeah. We should. Jelly of the Month Club. I could have brought a box of donuts on the drive over. You know, <laughs> that's really funny. Welcome back to the Fresh Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast with freedom-loving freshman members of the House of Representatives, where we provide you with a backstage pass to see what's happening inside the halls of Congress. I'm joined by my fellow conservative freshman members, Josh Burkeen from Oklahoma, Eli Crane from Arizona, Andy Ogles from Tennessee, and we're our special guest is a conservative commentator, an author, an actor, and host on the one of the Daily Wire shows, Mr. Michael Knowles. Thank you so much for having me. An honor to be here as the congressman from Daily Wire, you know, representing uh, that. Though actually, we're from the very same district. That's right. Yeah, the the place where all of the refugees from Mussolini's hellscape and all other sorts of <laughs> failed states are flooding into, myself included. So it's great to so, be with you. So we've had some past uh, together. Bastion of conservatism. <laughs> yeah. Man, if you could only replace the congressman we have up here now, the guy's yeah. awful. Man. Yeah. I know, that guy, we don't even talk about <laughs> That's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you've lived in New York, you lived in LA, and how do you feel about Tennessee? I uh, was thinking about going to Texas, but all of my exes live in Texas, so I obviously <laughs> had to hang my hat in Tennessee. It is so great. I am working my hardest to develop a southern accent so that I can blend in perfectly. But when I first went to look, you know, Daily Wire said, do not buy a house in L.A. My wife was already was pregnant. I said, I have to buy a house. She, they said, don't buy a house. We're fleeing. we got to get out of here. COVID regs were on. You know, Newsom was going to shake us down for 50 years after we died. You know, we had to get out. And so I said, when do you want me to get a house? He said, fly to Nashville this weekend. Find a house. So I get out. I'm walking around the Franklin bookstore. This woman looks at me. She says, you're not from here, are you? I said, no. You're from California, aren't you? I said, I am. I said, don't you California, my Tennessee. I said, lady, I am not your problem. Trust me, I am here for a reason. And so even the, the transplants, the refugees, are usually coming for, for a reason. You know? And uh, it's just great. The, my favorite part about it is not just the food and the ability to shoot my guns and have a house and do normal things. It's the ability to raise your children. In a normal way that is conducive to their flourishing, something that is essentially impossible now in California and New York. That's awesome. Do you have your coon skin cap yet? I do. Yeah, I'm working on it. Yeah. Yeah. So when we, we met, um, when, when you were being harassed in Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> right. So as a Missourian, I was appalled to see how how people treated you when you were speaking. I'm sure that, and I know this happens all the time, but you were sprayed. It, by some kind of chemical liquid. An unknown substance that one doesn't wish to think about. Uh, but you, you were one of the few people to stand up and say, hey, uh, the public university, University of Missouri, Kansas City, uh, can't treat conservatives like this for bringing a different perspective to campus because it wasn't just that some wild lefty showed up and squirted me with whatever and was handily taken down by the cops. 
It was that the next day, the chancellor of the university sent out an apology letter. Apologizing for you being yeah, That's right, an apology to the students for me, for yeah, my having been invited. Right. And so yeah. then State Senator Burleson uh, said, hey guys, something's really wrong here. And you invited me to the Capitol there to finish my speech that was cut short. Wow. And uh, really, really dragged that chancellor uh, and gave him a good drubbing, I, I think, uh, up there. And, and then the highlight, of course, was when I got to see your pipe collection. The oh, most yeah. impressive pipe collection. I've, I've never met a man other than you <laughs> who would have a Meerschaum pipe carved into the head of Ronald Reagan. I was so I impressed do. by that. I do have one. You have to come by and see it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but but well, I will never forget, I was so embarrassed that day because you were you needed to film your show yeah. from my office. <laughs> right. And of all the times in the world, the internet goes completely down in the building. First time ever. State, state capital, <laughs> the internet's not working. So here I am in a suit running through the building, trying to get the IT department, trying to get find some Wi-Fi somewhere. And he, because he had a deadline, had to be on live. That's, I totally had forgotten. That's right, of all the things, you know, running the business of the state, uh, and you say, hold on, I've got to put all of that on hold so that I can get a Wi-Fi connection <laughs> for the Daily Wire podcast. Yeah. What year was that? Oh, please. I don't know. 2019? Yeah, somewhere around there. Okay. So um, we really appreciate the voice that you have and, and the input that you provide. You're, you don't live in the Beltway. So what advice do you have for those of us that are here? What, what, what are you hearing from people that don't live in this bubble? The, the bubble thing is, is real, I think. I, I've, you know, a number of my politician friends have, have told me that. But I wonder if the bubble is quite so uh, firm in, in the age of social media. I mean, I guess that creates its own sort of bubble. Uh, one bit of nonsense that I've heard from GOP consultant types is that, uh, especially looking ahead to 2024, conservatives need to cool it with the focus on social issues and specifically transgenderism. Mm -hmm. That no one really cares about that. That's just a kind of a social media Well, they need to come to Oklahoma. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think, do those people forget how Glenn Youngkin got elected in Virginia? Do those people mm -hmm. forget how Ron DeSantis became a, yeah. a presidential candidate in Florida? Do, I mean, th this All is... The dads are terrified. They're terrified. And they have a right to be terrified. Absolutely. I mean, th this, uh, it's, it's just complete gobbledygook from the, the usual suspects. But, you know, perhaps people in Washington, D.C. or parts of Northern Virginia don't care about this. But truly, when I think about all the issues I, I care about, borders, uh, national security, um, the economy, obviously, trade, whatever, all these things. The moment I am presented with the prospect that my child will be harmed yeah. intellectually, spiritually, or yeah. physically, I don't care about any yeah. of the other issues. Yeah. There, there's a visceral response, right? Yeah. And especially yeah. when you see some of the content uh, that the kids are being exposed to. And so, like you said, everything suddenly gets put aside. And, and but it, they're so in your face, uh, and, and even in, in where we live, uh, you see it in the Nashville, Greater Nashville area, that this pervasive, this pollution of the minds is trying to take hold. And and I'm I'm with you that people people are sick and tired of, of being told that everything's going to be okay. What they want is action. You know, you think about it. It's one thing that, that mom and dad standing up saying, "Why are you trying to indoctrinate my kid?" The second question you got to ask is, "What is it within these individuals?" that gets something out of going and being amongst young children and yeah. doing these events. I think it's a spiritual thing. It absolutely I really is. Man. I mean, it's after the next generation. To me, this is straight up good versus evil. I mean, why on earth? Like, you can live however you want to live, but when you start trying to force 
that type of just indoctrinization on little kids. I mean, it's just disgusting, it man. It but really part is. of it is pretty clever. I mean, I, I'm with you. I suspect they've got some even darker uh, motives there as well. But, but even the most charitable read of it is kids' minds are very malleable. Right. So if you want to shape a country, yeah. it's a lot easier to shape a five-year-old's mind. And that's, right. that'll stick with him for the rest yeah. of his life. So, you know, in a way... We often say we, we want to educate, not indoctrinate. And we all know what we mean when we say that. But literally, they, they, those two words mean the same thing. I mean, they come from the same root word, docere, which is to teach. It's just one's the good kind of teaching and one's the bad kind of teaching. But, but you know, when, when we have curricula in schools, we don't leave it totally neutral and open. We, yeah. don't, we don't say, well, you, yeah. child, you can choose. Does two plus two equal four or does it equal five today? Right. You know, we're, we're teaching them something. And uh, if we don't have a, a, an affirmative agenda of substantive goods, then it's going to be the left that indoctrinates them into substantive bads. You know, we're facing, we're um, going into this, you know, budget crisis situation where we, the government is funded till the end of this month, and within the next few days, yeah. the end of this week, and it's just a few days, if we take, if there's no action taken, the government shuts, quote unquote, shuts down. Right, appropriations diminish, but to eighty five percent of what they currently are. Um, but there's two voices. We're hearing the voices from people in this town who say, you don't want to do that, you don't want to have a government shutdown, you, we, you know, Republicans get blamed. But I also think, when you, to your point, when you hear from people back home, they're saying, you mean that government that is, that is trying to indoctrinate my kids? Yeah. You mean that government that, that wants to um, send me to jail for being a protester? You mean that government that wants to say I'm a terrorist because I go to my school board meetings? Yep. Shut that government down. Yep. And so that's what I'm hearing um, is that what you're hearing back home? You know, I actually think that the shutdown is not on many people's radar, right. oddly enough. So when it does come up for people, I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, they'll say, well, the government's shut down, so only essential workers are going to continue doing their jobs. Can we just keep it that way? Is that, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, keep the non-essential workers out of Washington. Uh, but I don't think it's on people's radar because it's just so regular now. I mean, this just, we just shut the government down. That's yeah. just what happens now. Every it seems year. like every seems single like, year, you know. Well, unfortunately, dysfunction has become the new normal, right? And then, But at the, the end of the day, when the government does, quote unquote, shut down, the average American is not going to feel an impact from that. Right. And so the, this idea that it's a budget crisis, I reject that language. It's not a budget crisis. This is what the House of Representatives is supposed to do. We're supposed to argue and debate, and we're supposed to come out, up, out with the best outcome for the American people. And if that takes a few extra days into October, then so be it, period. End of story. We made a commitment that we were gonna pass 12 appropriations bills. There's a reason why the, the Congress's approval ratings is in, is in the toilet, is because we don't keep our word, and by George, it's time that we keep our word. We said 12 appropriations bills. How hard is that going to be to accomplish? Well, let's find out and do that thing, yeah. then we can talk about maybe a short-term CR that gets us over whatever hurdle is next, but how about we keep our word? And if that means shutting down, 
The average American isn't going to know it. And if they put barricades in front of the World War II uh, memorial, I'll go out there myself and move them. Yeah. Because if you're a veteran, if you're an American, you want to come to this city and you want to visit an open air monument by George, you own it. You should be able to visit it. And how dare a president or anybody else stand in your way? So in 2018 to 2019, when I asked people, do you remember what happened in the winter? Um, most people don't. It was the longest shutdown in our nation's history. It was when Trump said, you're going to give me $5.7 billion to finish this, this segment of, of the wall. That's it lasted right. for 35 days. Most people do not remember it because it tells you the impact it had on their lives. Um, that $6 billion, by the way, is the cost of illegal immigration to New York City's budget this year. Okay. <laughs> so think of offensive versus defensive, what $6 billion can do. Um, we know that the impact of illegal immigration in the United States, according to FAIR, um, is $150 billion. That's to all taxpayers. Um, it's $66 billion under the federal taxpayer, so not bringing in the state and municipal dollars. So there's a real issue that has to be um, addressed with the cost that's coming in the United States because of an open border. And then the fiscal stuff. What some of us, all of us in this room, are reiterating to leadership is we have to have a top-line number that actually has sizable cuts. And this conference is debating right now. and. Um, and, and it looks like that they can get comfortable with a sizable cut, 20% type cut to everything that's not defense. Wow. Now that's not mandatory, that's discretionary side, but that's what many of us in this room were, were fighting about at the head of this year is to have a, a Republican party that is actually really about fiscal restraint, that, that is a unit that we fight for fiscal restraint. We just don't talk about it when we campaign. Um, That's pretty significant. I mean, 20%, even if you're only talking about the discretionary side, first of all, the mandatory side seems to be completely off the table at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, not one person is talking about entitlement reform or anything even approaching it. Uh, and maybe that issue will come up again, but it certainly doesn't seem popular right now. So if you could achieve something like that, you know, that's... Uh, well, that's, what, that's, that's where the conference is in conversation to the point that's, that's said is how are you going to make sure that they're going to achieve that goal? Hmm. How are you going to make sure that you know, Lucy and Charlie don't do the football trick yet again? Right. Um, and so that's where um, you know, I, I want to give kudos um, to those that are, are creating more leverage. For me, I had to know that this conference was going to get to that top line number. And, um, and so I was fighting for that last week. Um, now, the question before us is, all right, prove it to us that you're going to get to that top line number. Right. Something completely unrelated, Michael, for the, the, the three people that watch this show. Um, <laughs> four. Four over here. <laughs> so some of, our, some of the people that watch the show want to know as American citizens, what, what can they do to help turn the country back to what they want it to be? I, I know you deal with this type of stuff a lot. Like, what, what advice do you have for the, the listeners and viewers that want to, you know, see a change in this country? There's no substitute for political action. Right. You know, it had become popular. In fact, we were one of the outlets that popularized this expression to say politics is downstream of culture, which is Andrew Breitbart's phrase. Mm -hmm. And th there's obviously a lot of truth to that. Uh, the, the movies and the music and the way we live our lives does affect the political order. Uh, but I, I fear that we've made an idol out of this expression and, uh, you know, used it as an excuse not to wield political power in a just way on the happy occasions that the people actually give to us political power. And uh, so, you know, just as much as we can say politics is downstream of culture, the law is also a teacher. <laughs> you know, and people, uh, this, this is what incentives are for. If, if uh, when you reward something with a law or you punish something with a law, if that didn't change how people behave, 
there would be no purpose to the law. And, and so, you know, the, the Democrats are very, very good at direct political action uh, at the local level, all the way up to the national level, or the international level for that matter. And conservatives are not. We're just not as interested in it. We recognize that there's this huge uphill climb because the left has built an entire ecosystem and we feel that it's basically hopeless. But all the way down even to the, the family, you know, the, the fundamental political unit. Um, I, I would encourage conservatives, especially conservatives where we live so that we can all benefit from it, uh, to, to engage in that direct political action on school boards, on city councils, on badgering congressmen, hopefully not badgering you, hopefully badgering the other side and perhaps the Repu Republican leadership. Uh, but to, to not write off the political order, it's not as sexy, it's not as um, Hollywood and glamorous, but uh, you know, one, one little law, one little regulation can have a transformative effect on a community. Are you stealing from Curious? Because there's actually a, a scripture, Ephesians, that talks about that the law was a tutor. Yeah. Is that where you got that yeah. from? <laughs> yeah. It's That's a, good. The you law know, was a teacher. That's good. Man. I couldn't, I hadn't remembered the exact verse, but th this is something that Christians have understood for our entire civilization. And I don't know, we kind of threw it out the window uh, be, because we have an aversion to all the muckiness of government and we don't like to see how the sausage is made. And so we'd, we'd rather not think about it, but the law is a teacher. That's right there in the book. Kept us, That's right. Yeah. You guys have been on the forefront of really creative ways of pushing back against this cancel culture, this kind of movement. And what I, I love the story is that um, you, you guys used to have a sponsor, Harry's Razors, and they it's something you said that insulted is this them. This the German blade? I, is <laughs> this, this the German blade? This guys? is the right. German. Yes. Oh, I want to hear this. So. Uh, this is just my main piece of advice, and it's something that I try to live by every day. Under no circumstances should one ever piss off Jeremy Boring. It's just a very <laughs> bad idea. I was, this was, a, Harry's Razors was on my show as a sponsor. And they make a fine razor, so we were advertising it. And uh, then some Twitter account, maybe it was a political operative, maybe it was an ordinary person, pulls up an old clip of me on Candace Owens' old show on PragerU, when Candace said men are not women, and I agreed with her. I didn't even initiate the statement. I yeah. merely agreed with her. And this account tweeted at Harry's and said, you gotta pull your ads off Knowles' show. And the Harry's account responded to this Twitter account with two followers, two followers, literally two, and said, oh yes, the, we, this, there's clearly a values misalignment here or something. Like the men are not women. That's what the... Oh, yeah, this is Harry's Razor Company? Yes. Yeah, correct. It makes more money off of Eli Crane than they would my wife? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I want to continue, exactly. please. Yeah. Continue. So, when, if a sponsor wants to pull off the show, basically for any reason, we don't care. There are yeah. plenty of sponsors who will come on the show. But when they said there's a values misalignment, they don't, you know... Right. They said all sorts of nasty things. They're insulting not only us, but they're insulting the audience. They're saying our audience is a bunch of, you know, bigoted, phobic, jerk people. And we couldn't have that. So we decided first to run a weeks-long campaign urging people to cancel their Harry subscriptions. Uh, and then Jeremy set about on a one-year-long process 
of building a razor company, sourcing steel, b- yeah, purchasing, I mean, a full company. Then he got the domain IHateHarrys.com. Uh, then he, he got a billboard across the street from the Harry's headquarters. And w- they shut down their social media pages. for ex- They still do it for extended periods of time. And uh, awesome. now the crazy part is we ended up being the dog who caught the car because now we're like one of the most prominent razor companies in the country. <laughs> and we, did, we said, oh no, do we have to make razors now? Uh, I didn't, we didn't bank on that. Oh, the commercial you guys put out for that was, is epic. Our country's in trouble. Conservatives are being canceled by Hollywood, the media, universities, and now Harry's razors. Stop giving your money to woke corporations who don't think you deserve their product. Give it to me instead. <laughs> Jeremy Spence. I mean, it was at least a million dollars. It might have been two million. I don't know how. I don't know how much the commercial cost. A like a film budget into a three-minute yeah. commercial to just troll Harry. Flamethrowers and everything. And, and to be clear, if you are a dude in a dress, you're still a dude. Yeah, uh, you know, these, these things were uncontroversial Facts. at one time. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna get us canceled. Yeah. Gonna, our sponsors like, are gonna. Have you seen about about social media? Like, <laughs> control all the time. I, you gave a speech recently, at uh, and that was at Georgetown. At so. Georgetown, and which is why you're in town. And as I understand it, the title of the speech was, "Who is worse?" Or is that right? Like, <laughs> or who is more evil? Or yeah, Biden, Biden or Putin or Xi? A little provocative. It was a little provocative, but uh, you know, I don't. I don't think it was hyperbolic. I didn't really just want to flame that just for the sake of it. Uh, the thing that got me thinking of even contemplating that question, which seems insane, is the case of the eight pro-life political prisoners down the street. Lauren Handy, John Hinshaw, Herb Garrity, the rest of them. Uh, these are people who peaceably demonstrated at not only an abortion clinic, bad enough, an abortion clinic of a man, Cesare Santangelo, who admitted on camera to regularly violating federal law, even the expansive abortion laws we have, he regularly violated them. We're talking about various versions of partial birth abortion, disposing of corpses wow. in improper way. I mean, sick, sick, uh, refusing federally mandated medical treatment to babies born alive. Uh, so these eight murder. pro-lifers, murder, it's just murder. I mean, that's just, it is what it is. Uh, these people ranged in age from 25 to 74. Joan Bell is 74 years old. She was arrested. They all face 11 years in prison over the FACE Act. If only they had been burning the country down with BLM and Antifa for eight months, they'd be given awards. Yeah. They, they wouldn't see a moment in jail. Uh, Joan Bell could die in a prison cell. Uh, and mm-hmm. Barack Obama, Barack Obama, that was a Freudian slip. Joe Biden, the president nominally, <laughs> is, is down the street. He could pardon them all in two seconds. He could at the very least commute their sentences. And he won't do it. And there's an additional scandal, which is that Biden calls himself Catholic. Uh, He doesn't seem to practice or believe the faith, but he says he is. Uh, And and it it was that Mitchell and Webb uh, uh, sketch that went into my mind, which is, are are we we the baddies? baddies? (laughs) Or all of a sudden, I mean, that, that is a very evil thing. This is not to uh, minimize the evils committed by Putin or Xi or any other adversary around the world, but that's some pretty bad stuff. Yeah. I've often thought if you took the photos, if you took photos of the protesters in Russia, or or, or actually the protesters in America, you know, on January 6th, right? And you presented that to people on the street and said, 
this is, these are Russian protesters. Isn't it awful that Putin has thrown them in prison for their political beliefs? And people would say, absolutely. They're fighting for democracy. Of course. But, right. Oh, but they're not Russians. These are Americans. Right. right? Standing up for life. Um, 74 years of age. And so for people who don't know what the FACE Act is, it's those um, that were designed to, um, that Bill initially may have had a good motive, I don't know at the time when it was put out there, but now it's prosecuting people who would protest. Um, and uh, so you've got uh, people that are going to abortion clinics protesting, and this is happening to them. Um, we're not talking about, you know. Um, Peacefully. We're not talking about violence. Yep. And so uh, for those who uh, want to know more about this, Chip Roy's introduced a bill called the FACE Act, or removal of the FACE Act, and uh, would encourage people to encourage their member of Congress to sign on to that bill. I mean, it's, it's one of those laws where whatever the motive, you know, I suppose the motive was don't bomb abortion clinics, though I think that's already illegal anyway. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's really just a way for the liberal ruling elite to just drop the hammer on perfectly good, ordinary people trying to save babies. Well, and, and I, I would warn, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the, the canary in the coal mine, right? If you look through history, I think we're at this inflection point where suddenly you have a political elite, they've set forward a framework that if they disagree with you, then they can entrap you. Yeah. So you can have someone who's peacefully praying in front of an abortion clinic yeah. can suddenly get a decade in prison. You can have a president, whether you like Trump or dislike Trump, it doesn't matter. You have woke district attorneys that are abusing and distorting RICO statutes and all sorts of things to prosecute an individual. Now, keep in mind, if, if that district attorney can prosecute a former president, they can go after you or Eli or you because now, now you've removed the barrier and the standard for whom is touchable. And so we're at this inflection point that if we the people don't fight back, if we as members of Congress don't fight to restore order, which means the budget process, which means the way we communicate, the way we hold the line and don't back down, we've got to change how this, this place operates. And this is the people's house. The House of Representatives is the people's house. It's supposed to be messy. It's still supposed to be argumentative, but we are fighting for the future of this country. And I would encourage you, my colleagues, and those back home, we can't back down. Because if we do, Think about our founding fathers. There were times when, when the night was dark and, and hope would have been lost, but they never lost hope. They prayed to their Lord and they pushed forward and that's what we have to do. There's a quote that it's almost cliche now to quote it from Martin Luther King, which is uh, an older Christian principle that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And the libs love to use that phrase and they quote it all the time. I don't think they know what it means. I don't think they've thought about it for more than five seconds. But it's a good quote because it's true. Uh, the political prisoners who uh, increase in number every day in our nation's capital uh, to Biden's great glee, uh, that's very bad for them that they're in prison and their opponents might say, well, this is very good for us that we get to wield this power. But if injustice becomes the norm for our federal government, that is a threat to everyone because if you think that that's not going to come swing back on you at some point, you're, you're out of your mind. I mean, if we don't have objective standards of justice that will give some stability to our country and some weight to our country, uh, then we're going to turn into even more of the banana republic that we increasingly appear to have become. Yeah, justice must and always remain remain blind. Yeah, and it and must I, be applied equally, <clears throat> period. And, and ironically, here we have a, this, this perverse situation where you have 
the Justice Department going after Donald Trump for really trivial things, right? Trying to conglomerate, like they're, they're doing judicial gymnastics to try to bring him into the courtroom. In the meantime, we're in oversight investigating hard facts, bank records, treasury reports. We're investigating F FBI files, all about the, the influence peddling scheme of the Bidens. And my, my question is, do you think that that's getting through? Are, are the American people hearing about what we're doing? How much, news, how much news was picking up on the check that went to Joe Biden's residence this week? How, how much of the news? Because, you know, we've been up here, we're inside, um, you know, having conversations about the, the budget. No, do you so, know the, the answer is none? Uh, the news didn't pick up on it because the news was focused on Bob Menendez, which to me, uh, maybe I'm, I sound, it's, he's obviously the scapegoat. I thought the moment. Look over here. Yes. I mean, first of all, people have known Menendez is corrupt for 10 years at least now. I mean, he was brought up on these exact same kinds of charges or at least an investigation and, and he faced ethics consequences for it. Not enough ethics consequences because he remained the chairman of his committee and he kept selling American influence. But I thought, wow, that's a pretty clever stroke to now randomly go after Menendez again for doing exactly what Joe Biden did, albeit Menendez did it on a much smaller level. I mean, we're talking a drop in the bucket compared to the millions and millions of dollars that, that the Bidens accumulated. But it goes back to your point, and this is what's getting so hard for me. You said, are we the baddies? When I look at, like, you know, I, growing up just loving this country and being so proud to grow up here and going and serving the country, and then, you know, it's like I, I just don't even recognize it anymore. And I, I, don't think, I don't think we have any moral high ground to stand on. You know, just because, I mean, there was a time when you could just, oh, well, that's just some crazy, you know, corrupt dictator over in the Middle East or over, you know, Eastern Europe or, or wherever it is. But when, when we look at the leader of this country right now, like, I can't even believe some of the stuff that's coming out about it. And, you know, it, it does go raise that question. Have we become the baddies? You know, I, I considered at the end of my speech last night this same point that you're raising, which is I... I believe in America, to quote the Godfather. You know, I, I am about as patriotic as it comes. And so I still think America is largely good, and especially the American people are largely good. The, the rulers right now are very bad, present company excluded. But, you know, Biden and the liberal establishment is very bad. And we are nominally government of the people, by the people, for the people. One of those statements can't be true. <laughs> Right? You can't have all three of those statements be simultaneously true. And we all know which one is false. It's the last one, that something has cracked in our, our structure of government. You see this reflected in neither party now trusting the elections. Yeah. Democrats have <laughs> objected to the elections for decades now, and Republicans objected to the Democrats um, upending all the rules in the weeks and months before the last election. Uh, so that's just one example. People don't trust the justice system. Everyone knows Biden's corrupt. Do you, do you know why the, the investigations haven't made news? Everybody already knows it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just a fact. It's just a fact, right? Um, so that, but that's a, that's a big problem because if you, if you don't address that issue, then the chasm between the, I think, still largely good American people and the very bad and increasingly bad ruling class uh, is only going to widen. So question about Daily Wire. You guys have created this amazing ecosystem and with products that you're selling and, and you're creating your own content. 
What are some of the exciting projects that are going on at the Daily Wire? <laughs> I have no comment. No, I, I have comments. On, we're, we're coming out with some, some uh, movies are coming up. We've got uh, kids. So th this I'm personally very excited for because uh, I have little kids and I can't show them anything anymore because yeah. Disney wants to trans them or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, so we've got that coming out. We've got, uh, I don't know which ones we've announced. You say kids content for kids, cartoons. Yeah. and cartoons. That's awesome. Uh, edu edutainment, you know, somewhat educational, but also entertaining for kids. Um, some more fictional content. We've got a huge series that we've got in Hungary shooting right now called The Pendragon Cycle. And uh, it's an Arthurian legend, you know. Uh, it's obviously a Christian kind of story, but doesn't smack you over the head with it. It's not, not uh, schmaltzy. And uh, we've got lots of documentaries coming out, some of which I can't quite talk about, but they're going to be really fun. But then we've got one product in the works that I am actually sworn to secrecy on. Ben Shapiro will use his law degree to sue me into the ground if I break my NDA. But the product is going to be coming out in about six weeks. And Eric, you actually will probably be the recipient of one of the samples. Oh. Once it comes out, wow. it'll be under the it'll be under whatever ethics limit it has okay. to be under. But wow. I'm not going to I'm not going to Bob Menendez you and send you a bar of gold. <laughs> but we have very exciting stuff going on for the DW in 2024. Hey, let me make sure because I you know the, you guys have known each other for a number of years now. Um, if he offers uh, to ride with you or give you a ride after this podcast is over with, uh -huh. I want you to know that he'll oh, sometimes please. leave you. They will They'll tell you. you don't he'll even let you. He'll not. even let you pay for the rental car, and then he'll leave you. Wow! I just want to let you know about, I will about, about our friend. If you're not there. <laughs> well, Michael, thank you for joining us. It's been fun. Uh, appreciate your time, and thank you for what you do for the conservative movement. And and you bring forward, you know, um, not just entertainment, but really an intellectual perspective that I think is really needed. Well, thank you very much, and thank you to you gentlemen, because I, I was thinking. We're talking about all this fun stuff, making movies and chocolate bars and whatever, you know. And uh, then you guys do the uh, extremely difficult, mostly thankless work of dealing with these absolute psychopaths here in Washington, D.C. and trying to advance any kinds of, pr kind of principled stance at all, which is you're talking about a rarity of a rarity of a rarity of a rarity. And here we are. We're on the Fresh Freedom podcast. So thank you guys for... Uh, for doing that so that the rest of us don't have to. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. And that's been this episode of Fresh Freedom Podcast. I would encourage everyone to, to subscribe to not only this podcast, but to Michael Knowles' podcast on The Daily Wire. You can find them both on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube, Rumble, everything. And so until next time, we'll see you on the Fresh Freedom Podcast. Mm -hmm.